Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. I have here in my hands an old radio. Well, it's not that old. Uh, it's, that's maybe 15 years old. Maybe that is old. Though I realize that any radio is probably considered old-fashioned anymore. This particular radio is one that my aunt gave me to uh, gave to me one year after there was a big power outage over most of the eastern portion of the United States. She felt it was important to have a radio that could be used in emergency situations. The brand of the radio is Grundig. I don't know if that's important or not, but it's a solidly built radio. It's been knocked over. It's been dropped. It's been uh, just knocked onto the ground many times over the years, and it just keeps on working. It's only been in the last few years that the antenna arm has broken off. I won't tell you who broke that off. Um, it wasn't me. It was a smaller person. Uh, but it still receives all the local stations, and on some nights it can get a few stations that I think are from other parts of the world. So what makes this radio special? Well, true, it is tough, but it's also, it has this hand crank on it. I, I did that at the beginning of the podcast. You probably thought, well, what happened there? Did Pastor Josh mess something up? No, just playing with the radio here. I can plug the radio into the wall, I can put batteries in it, but it's got a hand crank, so I can use my arm, the muscles in my body, to put power into a battery in the radio. Uh, it's got that winding noise when I use it, I can get stations, uh, though right now it's often a lot of static. It's a pretty neat radio, it tends to be a fun item for kids to play with. The only problem is, is that I cannot crank the radio enough to really keep that battery going. The best that I've been able to do after winding and winding is to get the radio to work for about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. I don't think I've ever had it longer, uh, not 20 minutes, certainly. Um, no amount of personal effort on my part can wind up the battery enough to create significant power and maintain reception. This radio just works far better when I throw some AA batteries in it. And when I do that, it'll run for months of use. Uh, so today, think about that radio, but we're going to... Look at a teaching from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a parable, and a parable is a style of teaching that uses story and everyday images to teach important spiritual truths. The parable um, that we're going to read today is, is often simply called the parable of the four soils. And I've, I've taught from this parable many times before, and I've heard others teach from it many times. And here is the t challenge. This parable of the four soils is about receptiveness. That's why I have a radio here. It receives radio signals and translates them into sound. And Jesus' parable is challenging to us. It's a challenge to us to consider how receptive we are to God's word. In Matthew's case, because this parable appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but in Matthew's case, Jesus specifically identifies what we are to be receptive is to the word of the kingdom. Jesus is telling us that some of us are more receptive than others. And I would propose that each one of us at different times in our lives are more or less receptive to the word of the kingdom. But here's the rub. I've always heard this story. I've heard in it a message about realizing which of the four soils I am or that you are, and then having to figure out how to transform myself into the good soil. You know, I hear about those first three soils, and I go, okay, I'm not supposed to be those, so how do I become good soil? Now, if you listen carefully to what I just said, you'll hear that I have read into this parable about what effort I must do to adequately, adequately receive the word of God. And you know what? 
Whenever I've taken that attitude, my spiritual life has been a lot like this Grundig radio. I wind it and wind it and wind it, but my best efforts only purchase just a little bit of power, a little bit of reception. Jesus is pointing out that we need to be receptive to the word, but he does not put the work in our hands, only the willingness to receive. So let's read the text, and I want to read the text in three different parts today. So let's start in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into, the, into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground and where they didn't have much soil at all, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So we have in this story, it begins with Jesus leaving the house. We're not sure which house it is, but it's assumed that this is Peter and Andrew's, and Andrew's house in Capernaum. Great crowds were gathered around Jesus, and, and Michael Wilkins, he writes this interesting detail in his commentary on Matthew. I've never heard this before, and I think this is really important for us to hear. He writes this detail that the Pharisees, they were popular at this time, and they were the ones who were used to crowds flocking to them. Now the crowd is flocking to Jesus, and this is important, because we're going to talk about the crowd a little bit later. So tuck that bit of information away, and we'll get back to it in a few minutes. So Jesus, he gets on a boat, he sits down, and he teaches the people. So picture Jesus on a fishing boat. It's bigger than a rowboat. It's a boat big enough to hold the disciples. And now Jesus teaches the crowd, but he does it with a story. There was a farmer who went out into his field, and he was going to plant seed, or as the text says, he sows seed. And I want you to picture a farm field in Palestine. It's hot. It's dry. The land has been plowed. There are pathways through the field that are parked hard, uh, dividing the field into rows. The farmer's, farmer has a sack around his shoulder, and he takes seed into his hand, and he shakes it out, scattering it. And the seed is caught in the wind, and it blows every which way around the field, and it lands on the hard path, and it lands on poor soil, and it lands on weedy soil. Perhaps the weeds haven't even started to grow yet. You just don't know where they're going to pop up, right? And the seed also lands on good soil. After the farmer, after this, the farmer would go back. And Jesus doesn't talk about this, but the farmer would go back and plow the field again to get the seed to go under the soil. Lots of seed was lost in the process, but the harvest was good and plentiful. A few points just real quickly to remember here. It is worth it to the farmer to sow seed everywhere because he wants to get seed into all of the good soil. He's going to throw it everywhere because he doesn't want to miss one inch of good soil. The farmer, secondly, also knows that some of his seed will be rejected. Christian, if you are fearful about someone rejecting your attempt to share good, the good news of Jesus with them, this text promises you that some are going to reject. But this text tells you to spread the seed of the gospel everywhere. Third thing, a good harvest comes in time. You have to be patient. There's no rushing this. Now here's something else I want you to keep in mind. 
Jesus tells a story about farming to the crowd. And he's telling this parable. The only part of the story that makes it anything more than a farming story is the last line. He who has ears, let him hear. You could listen to this story and think Jesus was just talking about gardening. I mean, if you didn't have that last little part, he who has ears, let him hear. If you just realize that Jesus told these first nine verses to the crowd, not the explanation, you could just hear and go, well, he's talking about gardening. Oh, amen, Jesus. You're right. I hate having to deal with that hard-packed earth. It's no fun to turn it over and work seeds, and they don't grow there very well. You could say, amen, Jesus. If the soil's of poor quality, there's too many rocks, or it's too shallow, stuff just won't grow to maturity. You know, I can think of the first time we had raised garden beds in our backyards. The soil was very shallow because I, I did it the lazy way. Uh, it worked, but the first year is miserable. Uh, I placed cardboard, cardboard down on the grass, uh, and then I put a frame of a raised bed on top of the cardboard, and then I filled that frame with dirt. So you could grow things that could grow in the frame of dirt, but if it was something that needed more than like five inches or six inches of soil, it didn't grow real well. Real well. The carrots that we grew that year, they were short and stumpy. There was just not much dirt for things to grow far down. Third thing, when you're hearing Jesus talk about this story, you can say, Amen, Jesus. Weeds are just the pits. They, they sprout out of nowhere. They turn into monsters overnight. They take all the water, all the nutrients from what I actually want to grow. Ah, oh, you're right, Jesus. Weeds are awful. And then the last one, good dirt. Gardeners, you understand this. I have raised beds. I am not a gardener. Um, but gardeners, you understand good dirt. Good dirt is beautiful. It's it feels good to the touch. It's alive. It miraculously drains water well, and it miraculously holds moisture well. It's just a joy to work with. You could walk away from this part of Jesus' parable thinking he talked a lot of truth about gardening. But then he adds this funny little line, He who has ears, let him hear. Why? What's so important about gardening? Was Jesus maybe talking about something more than gardening? But this is all that Jesus actually tells to the crowd. See, he takes it further with the disciples. He explains the parable to the disciples. And so then we encounter Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. And he says this, Hear then the parable of the sower. And he's talking to his disciples. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what is sown along the path. As for what is sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what is sown among thorns, this is, what, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred and in another sixty and in another thirty. Jesus tells his disciples there is much more to this parable. He's talking about different people's reactions to the word of the kingdom. He tells us that there are different levels of receptivity to the word of the kingdom. Now the four soils, now they become interesting. And I'd like to take a few minutes to dig into them, if you will pardon the pun. 
Please understand that each soil is describing a reaction to the word. It's not enough to understand that the path is hard, but also how the seed reacts to the path and that there's an adversary that takes advantage of the situation. So let's look at that hard path first, the first hard path, okay? And this is the first thing you need to know about the hard path. It is that which prevents you from receiving the word. If there's nothing else you're going to understand about the hard path, it is the thing or that which prevents you from receiving the word. It's a person who hears but does not understand. The word does not penetrate. And then the evil one swoops down and steals the word before it can do any good. The soil is hard. It's a person lacking understanding. The, the soil, the seed does not penetrate. It, it, it's completely rejected. And there is an adversary, someone who reacts to the situation, in this case, the evil one, the devil, and he steals what God has given. So what does this hard path teach us today? And I, I think there are qualities that can make us into a hard path. I'm not going to expand on all of them too much, but oh, there's bitterness. That can harden us. Resentment. There's disbelief. That, that's what it really talks about is disbelief, right? But I'd say close to disbelief. A close cousin would be doubt. It's okay to have doubts. But when doubts harden you towards God, then you've got a problem. Pride. Pride can make us a hard path, a hard ground for seed to take root in. Little joke here. Did you ever hear about the clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this line? Let me show you something several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. What? They said I couldn't afford that? You know, pride makes us do things that maybe are unwise. As a former heavyweight boxer, James Quick Tillis, um, he was from Oklahoma, and he found out, uh, he fought out of Chicago in the early 1980s, and he remembers his first day in Chicago after he arrived from Tulsa. He says he got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under his arms in downtown Chicago, and he stopped in front of the Sears Tower. He put down his suitcases, and he looked up at that tower, and he said out loud, I'm going to conquer Chicago. And then he looked down, and the suitcases were gone. Pride can cause some problems. It can make us careless if we're not watching out. Another thing that can make us a hard path is being dependent upon our self-sufficiency. When we say, don't worry, God, I got this. I'll catch up with you in a minute. And all the while that we're saying that, I got this, we're missing out on what God really wants to do. The second type of soil that's talked about here is the stony ground. And again, if you catch nothing else about the stony ground, catch this. The stony ground is that which prevents long and deep growth. First, you can picture rocky groundlets with lots of cracks, you know, stones with cracks in between them for the seed to just by chance land into. But in Palestine, there are many large sheets of limestone, very large ones close to the surface. And, and, and so what you actually have is a very thin skin of dirt, or maybe a little more than an inch, or maybe two, maybe two inches. And the seeds will land on it, it'll sprout quickly. But then comes the adversary. Remember I said there's the ground, there's the seed and how it reacts, and then there's an adversary. The adversary comes, a scorching sun in this case. I think we have had to deal with a bit of this scorching sun this summer, right, with the heat lately. I hear there's some more heat coming. The sun stresses the plant. And because it does not have a solid, well-formed root, it cannot take the pressure. So some examples of... Stony ground today might be feel-good faith. 
those who want religions that make them feel good and happy. Uh, the problem is, is that this is not how life works. We need to know God enough to carry us through not just the easy times, but the unbelievably difficult times that we could have never dreamed would have happened. Another example might be fast faith. There are people out there that want quick fixes to lifelong problems. They want a quick buzz of affirmation from God instead of a lifetime of moments when God answers prayer. Another type of reaction that can lead to stony, rocky faith is undisciplined faith. Too many people want salvation without the effort of following Jesus. We, fa we forget that faith requires obedience. To talk about gardening again, uh, I'm a terrible gardener, okay? Uh, so we have three raised beds in our backyard. For the last two years, uh, Betsy, my wife, would probably tell you three years because I lose track of things. I've just let those beds run wild. I did not put together a plan. I didn't put forth the effort. I have found that I can grow vegetables. They're not that hard to grow. They don't require talent. They do require effort. You know what does not require any effort at all to grow? weeds. And I am an undisciplined gardener, and I think that there are those out there who are undisciplined Christians. They believe Jesus, but they have not gone deep in their walk with him. They've not put in the effort, and their lives are filled with weeds that are just choking them. In each of these cases, feel-good faith, fast faith, and undisciplined faith, when the sun scorches, they perish. And I believe that we're in one of those times here. I mean, 2020, right? What else can go wrong, okay? And some of you may ask me, if we're in the end of times, I don't know if we're in the end times, okay? But we are in one of the times when the pressure is on. The sun is scorching our roots. If you have dug deep in your relationship with Jesus, right now in 2020, it shows. And I'll tell you what, if you have not dug, dug deep in your relationship with Jesus, if you are an immature Christian, or if you're just an immature person, it shows this year. Your poor foundation is exposed. You don't want to be this rocky soil. You want to have transformation brought into your life so that you can be deep in your relationship with Jesus. The third type of soil is that thorny soil. And if you catch nothing else about the thorny soil, realize that the thorny soil is that which robs you. One of the, th of the three poor soils, this is the only one where the adversary is what makes the soil poor itself. So you have the hard path, which is impenetrable dirt, and the adversary of the birds, you know, which, are the de which is the devil stealing the seed, okay? And you have the, the stony soil, which is shallow dirt, and the adversary is the sun. But the thorny soil, the quality that makes the soil a problem is also the adversary. It's the thorns, it's the thistles, it's the weeds. They choke out the word before it can flourish. So what might be examples of weedy soil today? Well, divided priorities serving too many masters. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, tells us this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And you know, the truth is, is the master we often pursue today is money or our happiness or ourself. It's, it's a possession that we think, if we just get that, we'll be set. But I also suspect in our culture today, we pursue many priorities. So divided priorities can lead to this weedy soil. I think worry can lead to weedy soil. Anybody who is racked with worry, they know that choking feeling of the weeds around them. Unhealthy relationships 
can be weedy soil in your life or just relationships or where it, maybe it's a good relationship, but you're treating it in a, a poor way or you've made too much of a priority out of it or not enough of a priority. It can create that weedy soil. Do you have anything in your life that takes such a priority that it robs you of your relationship with God? Fourthly and finally, there is the good soil. And what is the good soil? The good soil is receptivity to the word of God. After the seed is sown, the seed will grow and produce a bountiful harvest. What's required? Receptiveness. We receive with our, with our senses, you know, our eyes, our ears, our smell, our touch, taste. We receive with our minds, the power to think. But most often we receive with our hearts, with emotion, with connection, with relationship. Now it is at this point in the past I would stop and ask myself, well, what soil am I? I want to be receptive, but I want to make sure that I'm not letting the weeds creep in. I, I want to make sure I'm not letting, getting lazy and shallow in my discipleship. I, I want to make sure I'm not hardening my heart to what God has in store for me. And it's good to ask yourself what kind of soil you are. The danger is we often respond with a plan on how we're going to fix ourselves. It's like this radio, right? Gotta start winding it. But I'm not getting reception. I've been winding the battery for a while. It's not working. We cannot fix ourselves. No amount of effort on our part can change us from rocky ground to good soil, from the hard path to good soil, from weed infestation to good soil. In between this parable and its explanation is an uncomfortable teaching by Jesus. And we got to look at that today. In his words, we hear Jesus saying that he uses parables to take understanding away from the crowd. I've always struggled with this teaching. It's been easy and convenient for me to just leave it out and say, okay, parable of the four soils. We'll read the, the original parable and then Jesus' explanation and just conveniently forget the part in the middle. But we got to look at that because it's really important to understanding this story. And I've also just looked at this story sometimes and been frustrated and said, well, it sounds like God is saying we're whatever kind of soil we're, he sets who we are. You know, and, and I'm just stuck with whatever soil I am. And if I didn't draw the card for good dirt, and I'm just out of luck. And that doesn't seem fair. So we need to go to Matthew 13 and read verses 10 through 17. That's between the original parable and its explanation. Then beginning in verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. That's a key verse there. Don't forget that part. This people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And with their eyes they have closed. Uh, lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their hearts. And understand with their heart. And turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. For they see. And your eye, ears. For they hear. For truly I say to you. Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. And didn't see it. And hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. What is going on here? Is Jesus just being mean? No, he's not. 
This is a parable about receptivity from beginning to end. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be receptive to Jesus, the gardener. And the disciples are talking to Jesus about the crowd. This is important. There is a difference between a disciple and a crowd. And what we're being told here is there is no room for the nameless crowd in the kingdom of God. There is no room for people who are just going with the flow in the kingdom of God. There is room for the disciple who is known to Jesus by name. And you can be known to Jesus by name. Be receptive and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It talks about this all through the Bible, but in the book of Revelation, we have this really awesome picture. It shows up six times in the book of Revelation. We're just going to look at one right now. It's in Revelation chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Did you catch that? I will never blot his name out of the book of life. So we're being told, I, I know your name, and I've written it down. You are being A record is being kept of you. There's a space for you. I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hmm. wonder if we should pay attention and maybe think about that in terms of Jesus is talking about the four soils. Because he who has an ear, let him hear. For the crowd, this parable hides truth because there is not a place for the nameless, for those who are not going to try to personally know Jesus in heaven. For the disciple, the parable provides truth, the truth. So what's the difference between a crowd and a disciple? Well, a crowd can follow without commitment, and the crowd can follow without risk. The crowd enjoys spectacle. Remember, they followed the Pharisees, and then when Jesus is the new popular teacher, they followed him. The crowd is not an individual. A crowd is not personal. And a crowd, no matter how much we'd like to think the crowd has power, a crowd's really not all that involved. But a disciple decides to say yes to Jesus individually and says, I will follow Jesus every day. A disciple lets Jesus be the gardener over his or her life. So we're not supposed to do the work ourselves. We're supposed to let Jesus do the work. And how do I know this? Well, do you know what Jesus calls us in this parable? He calls us dirt. He does not call us the gardener. In fact, there's a strange bit in this parable that's hidden in English, and I'm not sure why it's hidden, but the Greek literally says, the sower went out to sow his seed. Now, most English translations read, a sower went out to sow the seed, but the Greek actually says, the sower went out. And I wonder if we're missing one of the particularness, the particularness, the detail about this gardener. He is the gardener, the one who has the authority to work the soil. You and I cannot change the kinds of dirt that we are. We can only recognize that we have a problem and invite the gardener in. Got a problem with pride? Give Jesus permission to transform you. Got a problem with priorities? Give Jesus some permission to do some weeding. Got a problem with bitterness? Give Jesus permission to come in and turn the soil. It will hurt, but it will result in health. Don't hear this story and feel like there is much that you need to fix in yourself. Don't just walk away with the story and feel guilt over all the stuff you got to get right. Hear this parable and be glad that Jesus wants to be the gardener over your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
Help me not to try to just fix myself when I see problems, but instead help me to be receptive to Jesus. Help me to receive his lordship over my life. Let me receive his forgiveness and salvation. Lord, help me to receive it well when Jesus points out rocks and weeds and hardened soil that needs reworked in my life. Give me the strength and the will to let Jesus transform me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go with Jesus. Don't try to do it all yourself. You can't power yourself. Let Jesus do that for you too.